Hello and welcome back, one and all, to the fourth episode of the Stick and Puff podcast. I'm Duncan Wagon, joined as always by my Boston Bruins fan, uh, Jack Church. Jack, say hi to the people. Hello to the people. Um, we, Boston did a thing this weekend. We're going to talk about that. We are going to talk about that. At length. <laughs> so, uh... So, since we last spoke, uh, the Penguins have continued to disappoint. They blew a sizable lead to the Bruins, and then the next day blew a three-goal lead to the Sabres. And then after that, we played the Kraken. Couldn't score for our life. The Penguins are absolutely snake-bitten right now, and we're on a seven-game losing streak. It's just absolutely infuriating uh, to watch this team play right now because we're losing games we shouldn't lose. I think that the Kasperi Kapanen experiment should end right now. Uh, for the Penguins, I saw this tweet and showed that Josh Archibald, who had three goals in 11 games, compared to Kapanen, who has three goals in 50 or so with the Penguins. And he also, like, missed a wide-open power play, like, shot opportunity against the um, Seattle Kraken. Uh, we can't buy a goal. We're, we're in a funk. I, I, I don't know what's happening, but I really hope that the Penguins can pull one out tonight. And then if we don't, I want us to lose the Caps by a three, four goal margin. So hopefully like something can get shaken up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you haven't played since Friday, so hopefully that time off has been helpful, but seven game losing streak for a team that you going into the season thought this might be one of their last runs with the core had a chance to do something special. And then, I mean, it's still November, but you're in you're in a position now where we can't really say, "Oh, it's early." We've gotten to the point where you have to start looking at the team and saying, "Okay, you have ten points in twelve games. You're behind. You're behind Montreal right now." So, I just think that that we're poorly built. I I think that this is one of the 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 worst. So far into the season, this is one of the 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 just most absurdly built Penguins team I've ever I've ever seen. Brought back Josh Archibald. He's been kind of a factor. I wouldn't say he's been like an explosive like factor. Uh, brought back brought back Malkin to Crosby's satisfaction. I think Malkin Malkin's a point per game player right now, so I'm not going to be too hard on him. But he is slow in the neutral zone. I think he's slow in the defensive zone. And right now, it's just it's just weird. We got we got seven defensemen or on the on the roster and they're all like they're all like not good. Like Dumoulin's getting a little too old and he's a first line D man. It's just it's just weird to watch this team right now. Like because we're in a state where I feel like we go out there. And and I just expect us to lose. Like I don't expect us to win. Well, it's is it to the point at the end of the season where you have to think about blowing it up? No, I don't think I don't think right now that's that's in my mind about blowing it up, especially because you only have five more years left with this core, and you want to make a run as 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 badly as possible. And I felt that the the switch up between last season and and this season just didn't make the moves that were being made in the off season didn't didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And I think the one move that that made little to no sense to me, and I think it was just I think it was just a dump, like a, a salary dump, was the moving of John Marino. I, I didn't like that. I didn't like that move. John Marino was a somewhat decent defenseman in my opinion. I think he kind of filled up the penalty box a lot. And then another move that I didn't like was was getting rid and trading Matheson for Petrie. But that, I think, was a pure uh, contract move because Matheson's contract was a little bit of an albatross. Mm -hmm. I just – the problem is I just look at this roster and I just see Raquel in the second line. I see – I see 
the goaltending as being an issue. I just don't see this roster as something that's capable of going on that route, which to me says you have five years left with the core. It might be worth it to take two to try to retool. For me, um, I don't think that the that goaltending is that big of an issue. I think it's our defense has been bad, and mm-hmm. I think that that goaltending has definitely collapsed at inopportune times. Uh, DeSmith was pretty solid throughout the entire Buffalo Sabres game and just had a 10-minute span where he just was just, was just awful. And I don't think there – I think there's a correlation between defense because it, it's always the first line who's getting scored on. I don't have the exact stats, but Dumoulin – is is always on the ice where where you know we get scored on. I'll look at Dumoulin's plus minus right now, but it's it's just it's it's not it's not good at it's like yeah he's a minus three right now. Uh, his plus minus is a minus three, which is he's not good. He's got three assists, and you just don't want to see a minus three. And I understand that plus minus is. Not a like the the end all be all. It's not like a, a stat that stat heads are like, yeah, that's 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 I get it, but uh I just don't know. Uh I feel like a lot of the issues again is just the amount like we had such a defensive overhaul in the offseason. I think Jan Ruda, defenseman, uh Petrie is new and there's another guy that we got from Winnipeg who's who's new and hasn't really played a lot. But to answer your question, no, I don't think I don't think I don't think you rebuild or blow it up in in two years because by that point you're you're already on the on the bad side of thirty. Crosby, Latang, Malkin are all on the wrong side of thirty. Mm-hmm. And two years is just it's it's too much time. Mm-hmm. It's uh, just yeah. if they're in their if they're in their late twenties right now, I'd say, yeah, sure. But it's just a lot of the stuff that the penguins have been doing, in my opinion, were comfortability things. I think I think Crosby likes Sullivan, and I already said this. I think extending Sullivan before his contract ended was a comfortability thing. Yeah, I I get what you're saying, but I just look at this roster top to bottom and don't see a team that can contend for anything. What I see is a team that's going to be a fringe playoff team and it's just going to sit there. I think I think the Penguins, what we need to do is uh, – I th- I think we need to do something that Sullivan doesn't like doing, which is which is play our prospects a, a decent amount. We had Drew O'Connor come up, and he, he Drew O'Connor. I, I liked what I I've, I've liked what I've seen from him in the little playing time that he does get. But it's it's always weird. Like we'll call up we'll call up Drew O'Connor, and then we'll send him down after three games, or we'll call up Paling, and we'll send Paling down to three games. I just think that. We need some sort of a, a line shakeup because right now these lines just are not are not good at all. Like I remember in the in the playoffs and towards the end of the season a little bit, we were seeing Crosby with Raquel and that that worked. Crosby, Raquel, Gensel, Crosby, Raquel, Rust. That's a line that I'd like to see. Maybe a Rust Malkin or Kapanen because he's the only guy. Or like a Malkin, Jeff Carter, Rust line. Like it's just, I think it's just a line shakeup because I think we have the pieces mm-hmm. in place to be a good team. It's just Sullivan is stubborn in the way he plays hockey, the way he coaches, and he keeps he keeps running out that same old line. In the seven games that we played, I haven't seen a I haven't seen a lineup shake in in any one of them. And I just don't, I just don't understand why you think that you can run out the same team that's that's been ran out and expect something different. Yeah, that was an issue for Boston for a while that we were just a one line team. 
And it took until about the new year for Cassidy to wake up and realize, oh, I need to make a change here. Made a change. Popostanok with Taylor Hall immediately worked. We basically ran that for the rest of the season. And then against, and then against Carolina, it didn't work. But not nothing on offense. Our offense worked up against Carolina, so you really can't blame for that. And then Montgomery comes in. He keeps the same lines. They're working. So, yeah, I think a line shakeup is definitely an option. I just don't know if that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to I want to move on from the Penguins and and get get your thoughts on the Maple Leafs uh beating the Bruins the the day or two after you guys signed uh Mitchell Miller. Yeah, he he's now been released and we'll talk about this in great length a little bit later, but I just wanted to get mm-hmm. your initial thoughts on the Maple Leafs game. Um, I mean, I felt like we played a bad game, which I'm not completely upset about. We're 11 and two at this point. We're the best team in the Eastern Conference still. I thought that we seem to be playing a little more tentative than we usually do in that game. And this all completely resolved itself against St. Louis on Monday. We played very well against St. Louis, but I feel like the Bruins just... I felt like the Bruins, especially the leadership group, Bergeron, Marchand, were somewhat weighed down by the news. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bergeron spoke that he was – general manager Don Sweeney specifically asked him about it, and Bergeron was just like, no, don't do that, based pretty much. So it wasn't surprising to me that Toronto came out and won that game. I'm not very upset about it either. Yeah, I, I, Toronto is is a weird team to me. They're so, they're so bipolar, and I just, I just can't get a gauge on Toronto at, at all as like mm-hmm. a team because one one game they'll come out and they'll look like world beaters and they'll play a tough physical game against you guys, and the next they'll come out and they'll lay a dud and lose to Arizona. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean it's. In inconsistency has been a problem, I feel like, with Toronto for a long time. Yeah. Usually the inconsistency is playing very well throughout the regular season then getting in the playoffs and shitting your pants. Um, in this case, it's lose both sides of a back-to-back to Los Angeles and Anaheim and then come and beat Boston. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know with this team. They're third in the division right now. Um. It's they get they have Pittsburgh on Friday and then Vancouver on Saturday and then Pittsburgh again. Mm-hmm. So I think they can they're in a position where they can regroup, progress, and I still think they have a shot to win the division at this point. Do you think the Bruins are cup favorites? You think they're gonna win a cup this year? I, I don't know. I don't know if we're built for playoff hockey. I think that at this point, we're we're still not really scoring that much in 5-on-5. Five five. It's been a lot of good power play production, which I'm not opposed to. but And it's been a lot of working out from the defense. So what I'm worried about is that when we get to playoffs, we play against uh, Ron Brindamore coach team, uh, or Philadelphia, or I don't know. Um, but we we play against or Tampa. We play against a team, and they just completely lock down the neutral zone. Mm-hmm. And I'm worried that we won't be able to get through that. All right. So at this the, point, I'm not ready to say cup favorites. All right. And then this is the this is the last thing that I want to talk about before we we close out just this this opening, you know, segment. Um, Want to talk about the scary incident with Evander Kane last night, where he got his wrist slit by uh, Maroon Skate in Edmonton. Uh, Edmonton got the victory that game. I think it was it was four to three, right? If I'm not mistaken, I think that's what it was. Uh, I mean, it's I three to two Edmonton. Three to two. Okay, I've watched I've watched the video like a couple of times, and I don't 
like I don't know how it happened. Like I like the one like the angle's bad. Like I, I don't see like I know like his skate slid his wrist, but I, I don't see where it happens. Yeah. Um I I wasn't watching the game, but mm-hmm. I mean it's hockey. Crazy things happen. Yeah. That's I mean I'm glad that it all like all I can say is I'm glad it was his wrist. Yeah. And yeah. not like because I've heard stories of like people going down and then getting like their neck slit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um so I think it was scary. Um I think Edmonton said that he's gonna be out three to four months with the uh injury. They just gave an update today. And mm-hmm. then I also saw that Kane's ex-wife, about 30 or 45 minutes after the incident, posted on her Instagram story saying, all smiles over here, and then promoted her OnlyFans. Oh, God. So, regardless of how you feel, the regardless of how you feel about Evander Kane, you can hate him or you can like him. I think that's... I think that's a huge. I think that's a huge piece of shit move on on his ex wife's <laughs> on his ex wife's part. But uh, well, his ex wife had know. a thing where she was just like Kane was like taking vacations to Europe to gamble and leaving her with the kids and all sorts of stuff. But like, still, that seems pretty low class. I think it's I think it's petty, especially considering that if if Kane's not. If Kane doesn't have that that hyper awareness to run to the bench and immediately put pressure on his wrist, uh, who who knows what who knows what happens? But I don't, I don't think I don't think it's a life or death thing. But I'm just oh, saying that it's yeah. I'm just saying that she can play it innocent, like that's not what she meant. But it's it's eerily it's eerily time. It's it's really eerily time. Yeah. <laughs> And then the next segment that we're going to move on to, and I'm going to let I'm going to let you speak about this first because you are the uh, resident Bruins fan. Mitchell Miller signed by Boston. Four days later, I think released. Two days by later. Two days later, released by. Boston. He was signed Friday at like four o'clock, and then he was let go Sunday night. Here's my thing: the Boston Bruins have one of the best, if not the best. Actually, they have the best culture in the National Hockey League from a team standpoint, from an inclusion standpoint. Like, you hear about teams, like, you know, how rookies make, like, the laugh around by themselves. Mm-hmm. The, the Bruins, they don't even call them rookies. They call them first-year players. And I listened to Elliot Friedman's interview with Patrice Bergeron. He released a podcast, and he was talking about how when it was Bergeron's 1,000th game, he got, like, everybody a gift in the organization and it was the fifth game for Trent Frederick and Frederick was like I don't deserve this I've barely been here Bergeron was like no you're important to the team you made a significant contribution what have you so the leadership group I think it was Bergeron Marchand maybe Felino was Asked by Don Sweeney what they thought about the signing, they unanimously said they were in disagreement. Sweeney did signed it anyway. Um, and when you when you have such this good this good culture, I mean Bergeron does so much charity work in the city of Boston. Brad Marchand, as well, also in his hometown. Nick Foligno specifically signed with Boston because he wanted to do charity work with Boston Children's Hospital because his daughter had, I think it was a heart surgery there, some kind of medical procedure. But to see these people who have put so much work. Oh, yeah. And you also retired Billy O'Reason number last year, who was the first mm-hmm. black player to play. Yeah. So. Basically, my thoughts are they should take Willie O'Reilly's number, take it down, dump it in a urinal, and have Don Sweeney lick it. Because, like, um, I I don't understand why you look at that piece of fucking shit. Yeah. And decide. Yeah, that's that's somebody I want on my hockey team. Yeah. So, re- relatively, 
light compared to what I, I thought you were going to do. Uh, so I want to hear after my after my little rant here uh, what you think about the management uh, the management aspect because you're you're more in tune mm-hmm. with with that. Uh, but in it's in my opinion, signing Mitchell Miller is a completely unmitigated disaster for the Bruins. It just made zero sense for the Bruins to sign him for a multitude of for a multitude of reasons. Miller is a racist, ableist piece of shit. For those yep. of you who don't know, for the for those of you who don't know, Miller was a top prospect in the was it the twenty twenty draft? Yeah, it was the twenty twenty draft. It was the twenty twenty draft? Fell a lot of spaces because he bullied a disabled black kid in the prospect. In his grade, he just he bullied a disabled African American kid. In his grade, uh, Miller repeatedly called the kid the N word and disparaged him. He would beat him up and actually pleaded guilty at the age of fourteen for assault in violation of the Safe Schools of Ohio Act. Miller tricked this kid into eating a push pot he had wiped around in a urinal. And people will say, "Oh, he he was only fourteen. He made he he was only he was only fourteen. This isn't this isn't a one time fuck up. This isn't." This isn't him going on Twitter and and call and saying a homophobic or racial slur. This is this is a pattern of of abuse. Uh, it's it's in my opinion, it's not an issue of knowing right from wrong. I think it was cold and I think it was heartless and I think a little bit it was calculated. And I think the rest of the league knew, and that's why the Coyotes rescinded him as their pick when all the issues came to light when they drafted him. And I think that's how you know you made a mistake. And I'm talking about the Bruins. I mean, it's just a big mistake. I mean, if the rebuilding Coyotes don't want this kid on their team, why is management of the Bruins being like, yeah, yeah, we want this kid? I mean, it's just – and then not only that, he doesn't apologize or show remorse. The kid – what his friend who who bullied uh Isaiah who's who's the kids uh Isaiah is the guy who was bullied by Mitchell Miller uh Isaiah's mom said she forgave Miller's friend who who bullied because he showed true remorse and apologized in person but she said that Miller only apologized via DM on Instagram because it was hurting his draft stock and then DM'd him again I think it was the day before Boston announced the signing and saying it wasn't hockey related, which did come off more disingenuous. Uh, I don't, I, it just, I, I just, it just doesn't make sense uh, at all. Uh, so obviously it really blew up into Boston's face because you didn't need to sign him. You were attended to at the time of the signing and Miller isn't filling a need. In your life, I mean, he's going to play in Providence. Yeah, you're AHL. signing him to an AHL contract. He's not filling a need, and it just creates division in the locker room. And then Sweeney and management finally sends Bergeron, who has led anti-bullying and racism efforts in Boston, uh, to have a pretty key interview on Hockey Night in Canada. And Bergeron is basically in that interview, like in interview hockey media, you know, nice guy terms, like. Yeah, we don't like this guy. And if he's saying politely, we don't like this guy on an interview, what do you think he what do you think him and his teammates think behind closed doors? It's probably even it's probably even worse than what he's saying. So I don't know. Uh it's not good. And then it gets it got even worse for them when Batman said that they he wasn't consulted before the signing, and then says that he doesn't think Mitchell Miller will ever be like NHL eligible. Like he will never be eligible to play in the NHL. And then after all that comes to light, the Twitter backlash and all the other back, backlash, Boston releases him and has the guts to say new information. New information ah. is why we released him. No, it wasn't new information. You guys saw this man playing in the USHL. You didn't do the proper background checks and just signed him. But I wouldn't say that him being released and the, the Twitter backlash is a win for for hockey and I'm only saying that because like we saw with the Blackhawks last year, I think this is just an indicative this is indicative of a bigger problem in the NHL. I think that the NHL has a culture pro- problem and if the NHL doesn't find a way to fix this culture problem, the NHL will continue to 
stagnate in growth. I, I don't see how the NHL grows with this with this ever prevalent issue. Yeah. Um seven years was how long Miller was bullying this kid. Yeah. Um and then for Cam Neely in the Monday morning press conference to say like Oh, yeah, the team didn't talk to the family. I'll look into the team's actions. Like, fuck you, you're the president of the fucking team. Ha- yeah, I just... Take some like, accountability. It doesn't make any... It doesn't make... Like, it makes literal... It, it makes literally no sense whatsoever. You're 10 and 2. You, you sign this kid, and you don't reach out to... You don't reach out to the mom of Isaiah. Um... You, you don't you don't even see if if Miller has has done anything that has shown remorse. I just it just I just feel like they saw that he was doing well in the USHL and they saw, oh, this kid did some I'm just spitballing here. I think the Bruins saw him balling out in the USHL because he's a he's a good hockey player. I can you can separate his ability to play hockey from him being a piece of shit human being. And they're just like, huh, I wonder why this kid was never in the NHL. They did a minor background Google search, like Mitchell Miller, and was like, oh, the Coyotes released him because of bullying. Oh, it was, it was when he was 14. Like, I just didn't do any more proper research and was just like, yes. I mean, the way it came off to me from the reporting that I've seen, is that they did do a lot of research and basically thought they could slip it under the rug, which you don't slip things under the rug in Boston. That's not that's not how Boston sports media works. You can't hide behind whatever you want in Boston. You will get called out. Yeah, and if you're trying to slip it under the rug, tell your social media intern or social media person you have hired to not tweet from your account that you <laughs> signed him. Like, like just, if you're trying to do it under the, the rug. Account. Yeah, if you're trying to if you try if you're trying to sweep it under the rug, don't tell it don't tell your social media and don't tell your social media staff to tweet it out. Yeah. Just it's, it's bury like it they, in a press release. Yeah. It's like when they fired Claude Julian during the Patriots parade. Like same same idea. Or when um they released the statement firing Cassidy on a Friday at like seven o'clock. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, this is coming from the same management group that Don Sweeney invited Bruce Cassidy over to his house to have dinner and then fired him. Yeah, yeah. So I don't want to go, you know, and just say all the same things that that everyone else has been saying. So I think I think that's that's a good stopping point for talking about Mitchell Miller. And I think. And a good way to end this segment, Isaiah released a statement, um, I think, this afternoon. And it's from Isaiah. Well, it's from his mom, but she said that these are the words of Isaiah. Uh, I'm Isaiah Mayor Crothers. I would like to make a statement. I've been bullied since I was in first grade. There were not many black kids at my school. I was called Brownie and the N-word. Kids said my black mom and dad didn't love me, and that's why I had white parents. Mitchell used to ask me to sit with him on the bus, and then he and his friends would punch me in the head. This happened my whole time in school. When I went to junior high, Mitchell would spit in my face and call me the N-word. I stopped telling because they called me a snitch, and I would get made fun of. I had to say I was his N-word to sit at the table, and he made me clean the whole table. He threw food in my face. I was called the N-word every day. The office would tell me to stay away from him because he wasn't my friend. Once he got expelled from school, his friends started bullying me. He pretended to be my friend and made me do things I didn't want to do. In junior high, I got beat up by him. Everyone thought he was cool, but I don't see how someone can be cool when you pick on someone and bully someone your entire life. Middle of October, I was being texted and constantly every day till I answered a Snapchat and IG message from Mitchell Miller. He asked me why I always have my parents doing stuff for me and why I can't speak for myself. I told him I don't care what my parents say. I'm old enough to speak for myself. He told me he was sorry that the apology didn't involve hockey. 
He told me he was doing stuff in the community and helping the youth and wanted to be my friend. I told him, that's all cool, but where's the proof though? He didn't give me any proof. All the lies I've been told from him for so many years, I don't believe what Mitchell told me. He kept asking me to be his friend and I just changed over the years from what he did. I told him, I'm not gonna be your friend after all you did to me. I'm now getting messages on social media from people calling me a slow R word, I'm not, I'm not gonna say it, ass clown and you stupid N word, saying that I need help. Mitchell isn't my friend. It hurts my heart what he did to me. So I just wanted to tell everyone when Mitchell says we're friends, it isn't true. I can't take more of this. And I think with that being said, that officially closes the chapter on Mitchell Miller ever playing in the NHL. I I don't see how this kid ever makes it to the NHL. And he shouldn't. So let's segue to the next segment as not awkwardly as possible. Uh, the Ottawa Senators are for sale. What do you what do you think about that? So the only reason this is especially in actually two reasons this is especially interesting. One is there was a quote from somebody I heard who said this could be similar to the situation with Pittsburgh being bought by Fenway Sports Group, mm-hmm. where the arena itself and the land around that could be just as valuable as the team itself. Mm-hmm. I don't think it exists to that extent because the Senators play 45 minutes outside the city of Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the first thing. Secondly is that um, Ryan Reynolds is reportedly interested in mm-hmm. buying the Ottawa Senators, mm-hmm. which means that there will be a new series on FX coming up called Welcome to Ottawa, <laughs> where we get to hear about the Ottawa Senators. And the Ottawa Senators will probably get about 17 national TV games all on ESPN. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, so the Ottawa Senators being up for sale, you know, it's, it's not surprising. Uh, Eugene Melnick, their, their former owner, uh, passed away. Many people in Ottawa did not like Eugene Melnick, begged for him to sell the team. And honestly, like, I'm not – I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but Melnick never really – like – Never really made it, never really made it, like, like, he always made it apparent that he didn't like the fans. Like, mm-hmm. he, he threatened move it, he threatened to move the team uh, during a Senators alumni game during an interview. Like, it, it was just weird. So, now I saw that the team was valued, and I think it's $655 million. Uh, it's in the hands of his daughters, who are both under 25, so I think it's definitely 100% the right time to sell. Uh, this team is to, this team is beginning to be competitive, or at least that's what many people want to believe, considering recent moves. Uh, but the team is young. It's exciting. And I think if you were to sell the Senators, it would have been now or – the 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 year before their Eastern Conference Finals run. Um, I, again, you said that Ryan Reynolds was uh, interested. I did see Ryan Reynolds uh, being interested. I think it would be cool, you know, to see a local Canadian boy uh, buys the center Senators. Uh, he also partially owns Wrexham FC. Uh, so sports ownership that world isn't exactly a foreign concept to him. It, is, well, it actually I mean, is a foreign concept because it's in Wales. Yeah, yeah, but Puns. He, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know. Now that he's got having Wrexham under his belt, I think buying a professional sports team like the Ottawa Senators are not some rinky-dink bottom of the barrel team like Wrexham FC is in in Europe. It's if you can if you can make the senators relevant again it's it's pretty big so mm-hmm. again um i'd be surprised if ryan reynolds got the team uh because he definitely doesn't have enough money but if he can get if he can get a couple buyers like him and i think who who does he own the Wrexham with rob McElhaney? yes yes uh, i don't know if ryan reynolds can get him and a couple other celebrities, 
Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he, he got it, but I think he cares deeply about the sports teams that he owns. At least that's what has been shown in the, the FX documentaries is that he does deeply care about Wrexham. And then Ryan Reynolds is interested, but I saw that the person who's most likely to get uh, the team is this 35-year-old billionaire, Michael Andlauer. He's the favorite to get them. Don't know who he is. I uh, couldn't really gather much information on him. I saw in a bio that he's part of Walmine. So he's another one of them annoying guys who made a ton of money off of crypto. So, Yeah, that not to get into significant economic chat here, but I'm not exactly a fan of cryptocurrency. So... Yeah, I just I just don't understand like I don't understand crypto and I don't I don't fully I don't fully want to try to understand it, but I do yeah. understand like certain like I don't understand how like Acrisure. Acrisure is the Steelers stadium name, but it's also like some cryptocurrency like insurance thing. I don't, I don't get how you make so much money. I like, I don't I don't I don't get it. I don't even want to start to get into it. Yeah. <laughs> So that's what we have on the Senators. So now we'll move on to some coaches that we think should be on the hot seat at this point. And I think we'll start with a name that is very near and dear to both of our hearts. That would be Mike Sullivan of the Pittsburgh Penguins. (laughs) So I just want to uh, preface this segment by saying, I don't think a lot of coaches would be on the hot seat right now, but we sort of have an, an anomaly right now, which is Barry Trotz is not currently behind an <laughs> NHL bench. So if you fire your coach now, that's the first call you're making is to Barry Trotz. How likely is he to accept that uh, deal? Not likely, but it, it's definitely, I feel like, Coaches are more expendable right now with Barry Trotz not having a job. But, again, Mike Sullivan, uh, he was on my list. Uh, Mike Sullivan should be on the hot seat. Uh, but because of his three-year extension and only a couple of years left in the Crosby era, like we were talking about earlier, I doubt we make the move. He probably has the most job security out of all the all the, all the rest of the players on my of coaches on my list. Uh but I don't know how many more losses in a row and brutal losses we can take before we're like, okay, we need to consider something here. I think realistically it would take this team losing. And this is – I think Mike Sullivan should have been gone last season. So he's got a lot of good faith in Pittsburgh because of the two cups that he won. Um, in my opinion, uh, we like to get – we like to give Sullivan a lot of credit, but he inherited – a very, very well-built team by uh, GM JR uh, Rutherford. Um, so how many losses in a row do I think that the Penguins need to lose realistically in this city? 15. I think 15 in a row is is probably when everyone in Pittsburgh turns on Solomon. I don't think we'll lose 15 in a row, but I definitely think that'll be like, okay, guys, we definitely need to do something. But I just don't think Hextall and Burke are the type of people to make personnel moves when they don't need to be made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, at this point, you're in seventh place in your division. If mm-hmm. you finish in seventh place in your division, is that is that when they say – Oh, we may, oh, we need to make a move behind the bench, or is that when they say, "Oh, good job, you you got us a chance at Badari"? Uh, I I don't know. I I don't think I I think there is no excuse after you re-signed Malkin, you re-signed Latang, and you kept all three of those players together, Crosby included. Crosby included, if I didn't mention him because he wasn't re-signed. Um. There's no excuse. There's no, hey, pats on the backs for getting uh, a draft slot. This is, we've made it abundantly clear that this is our final push. This is in this cup window, which is closing. It could already be shut. There's, there's, there's no reason 
why missing the playoffs doesn't get Sullivan fired this year. I I I know we signed him to an extension, but I I don't know how how you how you justify keeping him after. I think it's we haven't made it out the first round since 2018, and then again, if we lose in the first round this year, if we miss the playoffs, I don't see how you justify keeping him honestly. And I saw this tweet from someone that I follow. He was like, the Penguins always go on a losing streak, and then we turn around, and it all works like clockwork. And then I was like, yeah. And then we get out in the first round like clockwork. <laughs> like, you're you're missing a key element from that tweet. Like, uh, I don't know. I mean, if he turns it around, and we make it to the playoffs, I don't think he gets fired. I want him to get fired, but I don't think he gets fired. All right. Um, the next guy I have, did, did you have him as well, first of all? Who? Uh, Mike Sullivan on the hot seat as one of your coaches. Yeah, Mike Sullivan was on my list. Okay, so I'll I'll go again then. Um, next, I have a um, Bruce Boudreaux in Vancouver, and Bruce Boudreaux is also on my list. There was, I mean, the chatter's kind of cooled down because they got off to that horrible start where they were blowing leads every night, um, but they're still sitting at eleven points in thirteen games, seventh place in the Pacific, and this was a team that a lot of people at the beginning said had a shot at making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I saw one analytics model, one analytics models. Although this analytics model said Bruins still win the President's Cup, so it's not off exactly right now. Thought that Vancouver mm-hmm. was probably going to finish first or second in the Pacific. So, and I mean, it's not like they have a bad roster at this point with Horvat, Miller, Patterson, Quinn Hughes. I, I think they I think they have a good team, in my, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. So to see them seventh place in the Pacific, and I know he's only a second-year coach in Vancouver, but I still think that they might be looking at making a move. Yeah. Um, so they got Bruce Boudreaux. They brought him in last season, right? And that was in like towards the, the end of the se- middle of the year. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah. They brought him in. He kind of went on a little bit of a hot streak. Um, kind of caught the Vancouver Canucks at, at a right time. Kind of whipped him into shape a little bit. But I just don't think that Boudreau is is just. Uh, he's just Boudreau is such an average coach. Like I don't think he's he's like a John Tortorella type. Like like you were saying, like kind of come in and whip you into shape for a little bit, but then I eventually. Teeters off. I don't. I don't think that Bruce Boudreaux's successes in the league have been coaching a incredibly good Caps team and never getting them over the hump. Coaching somewhat decent Ducks teams and never getting them over the hump. Decent Minnesota Wild teams never getting them over the hump. I, I think he's a choke artist and. When his name was when his when the Canucks were like, yeah, we're hiring Bruce Boudreaux, I thought, I thought it was a surprising move considering he had been out of hockey for a while and he was he was on one of the panels. I can't remember. He was either on ESPN or TNT. I, I don't know. I, I I don't get it. And I think the Canucks can definitely fire him and be a leader or at least a contender to get. Uh, Barry Trotz, because Barry Trotz said that he likes the possibility and the challenge of uh, coaching in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he also said he was interested in coaching an original six, but yep. at this point, I really don't feel like any of the six are looking to move on. Maybe Toronto, but I don't feel like the issue with Toronto is the coaching. Uh well, uh, you're going to be surprised to hear this, but I think Sheldon Keefe is on the hot seat. <laughs> I think Sheldon Keefe is – they definitely rebounded, right? Uh, they definitely rebounded, right? They're 7-4, and four, uh, mm-hmm. but 
Barry Trotz, I saw something that he's like renting a place in Toronto. And again, I did see the, I did see the, uh, that I would love to coach an original six team. So I think this is definitely 100% just if Sheldon Keefe was in any market other than Toronto, I don't think he's on the hot seat, but he's in Toronto, which is That's absolutely rabid about their hockey. So I think Keefe is on the hot seat just for failing to get out of the first round with this, this roster is, is an upset. Uh, Let's face it. I don't think this this team with Tavares, with with Matthews, with with Marner. I don't think this team should be a perennial underachiever because they always they always underachieve. Uh, I think that it, I I don't understand what the issues are. It always seems like there is like an issue, but I just think he's in the hot seat because of him being in Toronto and yeah, just kind of bipolar. Like I said earlier, I think, I do think there's some sort of reasoning to believe that Kyle Dubas could be looking over his shoulder, seeing that, Oh shit, my roster is terrible. I should do something about it. And then fire Sheldon Keith instead of making a move. Mm. But I just, from what I've seen, I don't think firing the coach is the answer for Toronto. I mean, I just don't understand how you can justify keeping a coach who has underachieved as much as he has. I mean, you've had great regular seasons, but regular seasons don't mean anything if you're getting that bounce in the first round in series where you have a pretty good chance of winning. I don't think they were favored in the in the Lightning series, but like that wasn't a series that everyone thought like, oh they're going to get their ass handed to them. That was a series that everyone thought was going to be tightly contested. I just think if you can't win a tightly contested series and you can't make it out of the first round. I don't... Mm-hmm. And then with, again, again, with Barry Trotz showing interest in coaching a team in Canada and original 16 and the Toronto media will probably be like, buy or Sheldon Keefe and then we can get Barry Trotz. Mm-hmm. I don't blame him for losing to Tampa. I do blame him for blowing a 3-1 lead to Montreal, and I do blame him for losing to Columbus. Um, I think that they started kind of slow, but I feel like that's more due to both a terrible roster and goaltending injuries. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do with both yeah. Samsonov and um, – not Samsonov. Is it Samsonov? It's uh, it's Samsonov and Murray and Matt Murray. Yeah, those are the two. But Murray's hurt, bo- so I don't. They're I don't both know hurt. There either. So who's there? Who was it? Children. Children, yeah. Yeah. He's in net, and then they had to bring somebody up from the AHL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but- I mean, I I don't know. I just I just. Yeah, you keep him, and he has such an obvious kryptonite, which is not being out of the first round. And there's been a lot of, there's been not a lot of roster turnover since he's he's got there. So I don't think he has that as an excuse. Like, oh, we keep we keep shifting around and changing stuff. If anything, they've gotten better since he's been there. And mm-hmm. losing to Boston two seasons in a row, like, dude, figure it out. Like, yeah, you can't have such an obvious kryptonite. Like it's crazy. So the last coach I wanted to look at, who's started slow this year, is Craig Berube in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. He came in as an interim in 2018-19. Completely turned the team around from I believe they were in the last place mm-hmm. in the division. Turned them around, made the playoffs, beat Boston. And then the next year lost in the first round, and then lost in the first round again, and then last year lost in the second round. So combining somewhat weak playoff performance with losing, what is it now, eight games in a row? Mm -hmm. And getting 
scored on a ton in each of those games. Although last night they had the Bruins to three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I again, think... I I don't have – my list is, is done. Uh, I didn't yeah. have any more people on my list. I understand the the gripes that people have with Craig Berube, but like I just don't. I just honestly, his his the St. Louis Blues like that roster is just not that exciting in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that you can really uh, fault him, and I don't think I don't think there's any justification in the world to to fire a coach three years removed from winning a Stanley Cup. Like Yeah, that's that's fair. I think Sullivan Sullivan's cups are enough in the rear view where we can consider it. But I just think that firing Baruby uh would be would be kinda would it would be kind of an overreaction. And then he also has to deal with Jordan Bennington, who I think is one of the most Annoying ass goaltenders in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, J- Jordan Bennington is interesting. I learned a lot about him in the 2019 Stanley Cup Final, and he's pretty much shit in bed since. So. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. You know, I just keep seeing videos like there's been like a couple in like the past couple of days of just him being just him being just just weird. Like I remember last year, the the last season, the incident of him, uh, what did he do? He swung his he swung his stick at, oh god, who was it? He swung his stick at someone and then pretended to like, like made you flinch. Like he pretended to punch him and then made him flinch. And then the other day, he did the same thing, which is like he like skated past someone and like, like tried to like sun him, like do the yeah. what. And then the guy flinched. Obviously, I just think he's weird. I just think he's weird. And then he's he's a dick. And I don't think he's he has a cup, sure, but he's he's sort of, in my opinion, he's sort of like like Matt Murray, but like Matt Murray doesn't have like Matt Murray doesn't have like the ego that Bennington has. Like Matt Murray has won two cups, and I. I I haven't seen Matt Murray ever try to sun someone or like whack his stick at someone. I just haven't seen that. Yeah. And then in the playoffs last year, Bennington throwing a water bottle at Nazem Kadri. Yeah. Well, that's justified. Nazem Kadri's an asshole. Yeah. But in the incident, he was shoved in by a St. Louis player. And then, <laughs> and then in the interview after Bennington said, quote, I felt like it was a God given opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think Middleton's a jerk, but I also think Nazim Kadri's a jerk too. So it's kind of like That's it's fair. jerk on jerk crime. So I don't really care. Mm-hmm. And I was in Calgary, which fits him. Yeah, he he can take that nice spot left by back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah. now let's move on to the game picks, where I am currently eight points ahead. Mm. I'm off to a. I don't know how I'm off to such a great start. I'm eleven. Yeah, you're cra- it's crazy. It doesn't make it doesn't make us it doesn't make sense how you can always you can always guess it. And in the last couple of games, you've you've only been getting them right by like a goal. Like I literally, what like the the Rangers are not the Rangers. I bet on the Flyers to win that game, and you bet the Rangers to win that game. They literally lost like one nothing in overtime. I was like, yeah, one nothing in overtime. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I, I actually went perfect last week, but we'll see, we'll see if I can do it again. First off, we have Jack Eichel returning to Buffalo once again. Well, they, they don't like him very much in Buffalo anymore. We'll see. They do not. So who do you think takes the game? Okay, so the, the Vegas Golden Knights, they currently sit at 12-2. Uh, and two. I don't have the ties on here if they have any. Uh, they're just sort of on an absolute tear, and the Sabres are coming off a pretty embarrassing loss to the Coyotes. So I think it'd be dumb to not to the Knights in this one. Yeah, I agree. The Knights, because the Bruins lost to Toronto and the Vegas has played one more game, they're currently in the lead for the President's Cup, which, you know what? They can have the President's Cup. I don't want it, but... <laughs> the President's Cup curse. President's Cup. It's real. 
yeah, I know it's real. We beat the Capitals twice when they won the President's Cup. Yeah. Um, so I think I just don't really see it. I know Buffalo's had a good start, but I just really don't see a path to where Buffalo beats Vegas. So I'm going to go Vegas as well. Oh, I figured out how I keep winning. It's because I keep putting West Coast games on here, and you have been, you don't watch the Western Conference. Oh yeah, no, you're like having all these games at 10 p.m. and I have like 8 a.m. So <laughs> I'm not staying up to watch 10 p.m. games. Yeah. So this was actually a 10:30 game tomorrow night. Chicago mm-hmm. and the Los Angeles Kings. Chicago is well, Chicago and LA. LA's uh-huh. been off to a start. So who do you like? Uh, so I was looking at the schedules and the rosters for most of these teams. They actually play each other on November the 3rd. So they're meeting again in a short period of time. And the Blackhawks got the best of them, but it was a two to one game, tightly contested affair. Uh, so in my opinion, this is just a battle between like two middle of the pack teams, not really exciting or anything, but the Blackhawks won last time. So I'm going to play the numbers game and say they split it. So give me the Kings in this one. I'm gonna go with LA as well because first of all, it's in Los Angeles. That I think home ice makes a bigger difference than most people realize. Mm-hmm. Secondly, is I think that the Kings have been they've been playing very well, especially lately. I mean, they had that win over Toronto. They beat Minnesota last night. They beat Florida on Saturday. I think they have a chance of – I actually, they definitely have a chance of making the playoffs again. I think they might even be able to get home ice for the first round and take down either Edmonton or Calgary. Mm-hmm. So, for that reason, I'm picking the Kings. Speaking of Minnesota, they play Seattle on Friday night in Seattle. Seattle's – gotten off to a good start as well. Yeah, they've been they've been kind of they've been decent. You know, they beat the Penguins twice, so I would know. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, this is another weird schedule situation in where these teams faced off on the 3rd of November again. And uh again, it's just the NHL schedule is weird. It's weird because I don't think the Wild should be as kind of like slow and as like mid as they've been. But because, because I, I went on hockey reference, they're they're above league average in places you'd want them to be above league average, and then they're below league average in places where you'd want them to be below uh, league average. For for example, they don't give up that many uh, high danger scoring chances according to hockey reference. Just their mm-hmm. goaltending has just been absolutely brutal. Flurry is posting just above an eight ninety. Gustafson saving just above is posting. Just above an eight seventy save percentage, and unlike the last match, I think uh, Seattle beat Seattle beat Minnesota four to nothing in their matchup on the third. And mm-hmm. unlike my reasoning, playing numbers in the last game where I said the Kings and Chicago would split, I think that Seattle wins this one again. Yeah, I'm going to go with Minnesota here, and maybe this is just me taking a complete flyer, but. Because they lost to the Kings, and then they're playing Anaheim tonight, so they're going to be on three and four. And I just, for some reason, I just trust Kaprizov. And I assume Flurry will play because Gustafson's playing tonight. I just, I still trust Flurry more than Grubauer, even though the numbers say that Grubauer's better. I do not trust Grubauer in that. So... For those reasons, I'm taking Minnesota, even though I probably shouldn't. Next hockey night in Canada, Saturday night, the Canucks make the trip over to Scotiabank to play the Leafs. Yeah, so uh, Toronto, like I said earlier, it's they're so bipolar, it hurts. Uh, they've won three of their last four games. Well, they just had some head-scratching losses to teams that you kind of just like look at. Like, you're 7-4. and four. How are you losing to the Ducks? How are you losing to the Kings? How are you losing to the Sharks? It's just weird. Uh, mm-hmm. But Vancouver is just absolute, utter, putrid dog shit. So I, I don't see how they win this one. 
I'll go with Toronto, but I wouldn't be surprised if Toronto just absolutely like craps the bed and goes out and plays a game like they did in Arizona a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So part of me says Toronto's been playing well, so I should take Vancouver. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's the back end of a back to back, which doesn't exactly help Toronto. They will have just played Pittsburgh, who isn't exactly a super physical team, but they still play a brand of hockey where they tire you out. Um, I think that this is the kind of game where, oh, they're they're probably going to be playing the backup goaltender too. So, and I think someone's going to light a fire under Bruce Bruce Pedro's ass to get things in gear. So. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna take another flyer and I'm gonna take Vancouver and we'll see what happens. And then Sunday night, this is a nice Eastern Conference game for you, Washington and Tampa Bay. Tampa yeah, uh, st- but- Tampa kind of slow out of the gates, but they've picked it up a little bit. They're currently fourth in the division. Yeah, uh, both of these teams are just kind of humming along right now after less than seller starts. The Capitals are kind of no no on a straight line kind of, and then the, the lightning are on the same kind of just straight line, just a straight path. They're not really exciting or they're just kind of mid. I think uh, caps are injured to Helen back, but Kemper is returning to form posting a nine nineteen save percentage. And that's pretty good. It's what you want to see. It's the main reason why the caps have been able to string a couple wins together. And the lightning are also in the same boat minus the injuries. And they lost to Edmonton last night. Uh, but I like Washington in this one. Uh, the traditional pick might be Tampa in this in this kind of game, but uh, I'm going to give it to the Capitals. So you you thought the scheduling break was weird with the other two. Tampa mm-hmm. goes to Washington on Friday, right? And then we're picking the Sunday game. We should probably be picking the Friday game for that reason, but we're picking the Sunday game because that's more fun. Um, I I think Tampa will be at home. Tampa, I still think, is the better team. Mm-hmm. It's just about keeping Ovechkin quiet. That's the yeah. that's the whole battle now when playing Washington. It's mm-hmm. keeping Ovechkin quiet and then getting pucks on that at the other end. And Tampa's a team that can get a ton of shots on goal off if they're playing their game. So I think the matchups in this game suit Tampa well. So for that reason, I'm picking Tampa. Yeah, I, I want to just touch on this Ovechkin thing. It's not like game related at all. The Caps mm. need to do better. Ovechkin's hitting all these milestones in games <laughs> where they lose. He hit that. It's like it's like that, the LA Angels. Yeah, he hit that like seven. He he hit that like seven eighty seven mark or like the one where it's like the most goals with one franchise, and they lost that game. And he, it was the only goal scored. I was like, do better. Just do better. Make it like I don't want Ovechkin to, to, to retire and then like all of his like landmark or like historical events are like, yeah, so I beat Gretzky's goal scoring record this night, but we lost six to one. Like I don't I don't want that to happen. Like Yeah. As much it's, as I don't like the Capitals, like Ovechkin's a likable guy. I don't want that to happen. It's like there there was a tweet from a guy named Matt. It just says Matt and then has his Thing. It was every time I see the an Angels highlight, it's like Mike Trout hit three home runs and raises average to five twenty eight. While Sh- while Shohei Otani did something that hasn't been done since Tungsten Armo Doyle of the nineteen twenty one Akron Groovesman, as the Tigers defeated the Angels eight to three. Yeah, and then yeah. I I know someone who's an Angels fan. Yeah. They're also like, they're, they're an Angels fan, they're a Chargers fan, and they're a Ducks fan. It's a sad existence and the yeah, Clippers. Yeah, it's like the same thing with like the the pirates. You know, you see all these like really cool plays by O'Neill Cruz, and then you're like, "Oh, the pirates suck." Yeah, <laughs> like it's like look at this. O'Neill Cruz just threw the ball 98 miles an hour from shortstop to first base, and then you look at the score, and it's like six to nothing in the bottom of the <laughs> bottom of the eighth. I was like, it's kind of insignificant, but it's cool that it happened. Yeah. Um, so. Email us some questions. We haven't gotten any questions, so I can't say I'm excited to read them because they might be dog, but email us questions. Um, 
lubcast at gmail.com l-u-b-c-a-s-t anything yeah. else yeah um guys thank you for you know tuning into the fourth episode uh i promise that we're going to try to get a, a a more consistent recording schedule you know we're both in college so uh shit happens as they say but expect the regular schedule to be Sundays expect the regular schedule now to be Sundays because that's that's what we both agreed upon over text but once again guys uh, uh thank you for tuning in yeah thanks for listening all right bye <laughs>